We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight, same as every other night, former NFL defensive back Eric Crocker. What's going on, dude? Man, just uh, ready to talk some 49er football. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you're, like, you're like arguing with yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm ready to talk some 49 football, but I'm tired of like the doom and gloom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just kind of accept this season for what it is and enjoy this ride of like at least I don't I don't go into the like the weeks like stressed, like, oh my gosh, okay, I gotta figure out okay, how are we gonna stop the Saints? How are we gonna do this? No, it's just like uh just let it be what it is and like, you know, 
I'm going to look for certain things. And I'm going to enjoy that part of the game. And, oh, okay, 49ers lost. You know, one, one pick closer to Zach Wilson or one of these quarterbacks. So. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, it's so doom and gloom on social media. And everything is a storyline. Everything is a storyline. Every time I open my phone, it's a it's a storyline. Like just like a it, you would think it's like a life or death situation with the 49ers. And it is, bro. People are like creating these weird narratives. And instead of just looking at it like, look, the 49ers are extremely banged up and injured, and that's the issue. But that can't just be it, right? Like, you know, according to a lot of people, like there has to be all these other reasons. And it's like, no, like they're just hurt. <laughs> like, yeah, that, it's it is really like it's like the main problem, <laughs> you know, like, it, it, yeah, it's, like I get it that Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing great. And I get it, you know, but it really like almost. But even that guy's hurt. Like, you know, it's just. Yeah, and I'm not putting it all on that when it comes to him, but yeah, that is really. I mean, that's almost the entire reason the team is not doing well. Like, it it might almost be the entire reason. And even then, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still four and five. So, like, to somehow squeak out four wins in this type of situation is like, man, like you clearly can see that that's the bigger that's the biggest issue. That's the right. biggest it's, issue. It's just a, a, yeah. a banged up team. Now, you know, I, I know everybody's looking forward to the offseason, but I think they're making um bigger storylines or issues out of players. Like that it, it's not that they're like the player is a good player. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But now it's like we got to nitpick at every little thing that every single player does. And and now it's a reason to why like this player can't be on the team moving forward or shouldn't be on the team moving forward. You know, there's a lot of that going on. So I know, I know I, I said that I was good and ready to talk some 49 football, but that was just something that it's kind of on my mind. Cause like, man, every time I open up my phone, like, and I'm on Twitter a lot. Cause um, I like talking football, um, you know, even outside the 49ers, uh, you know, I have a Crocker report and, you know, I like talking football and it's just every single thing is like, it's like this gigantic deal. And I don't look at it like that. I just look at it like, man, it's just a down year, man. Everybody got hurt. It's tough luck. <laughs> and it's just what it is. Tough luck. Yeah, man. I mean, this whole season can just be boiled down to shit happens. You know, like it. it's football. It's a violent, violent game. And, you know, it just goes to show you how, you know, rare. I keep saying, you know, how rare what happened last year is. You know, like it's just so hard to get to that phase of the game, making late playoff pushes, climbing to the Super Bowl, getting to the Super Bowl with the majority of your team intact. It's just such a rare thing, you know, so you have to appreciate those moments when they happen. And like Crocker is saying, appreciate those moments when they happen and don't freak out when they don't happen because there's just so many different things at play. And in this case, the 49ers are drastically more injured than any other team in the NFL. And it's not even close. Like, it's not close. The 49ers are just as bad as it could be when it comes to injuries. So, like Crocker's saying, just enjoy what you can enjoy. 
and try to go about things in a way that doesn't seem too dramatic. You know, we, we see that all the time on social media. Crocker and I have talked about it. Like everything is just so, what's the best way to say it? Like the title of a, of a newspaper that's on the stands right when you're checking out at the grocery store. You know, like it's like all headlines and like, right. you know, these big overreactions where it's kind of like, well, I mean, it is what it is. Like they have a lot of injuries. Players are hurt. It's tough to go on from here. It's like what I akin the 49ers to right now is envision a quarterback trying to succeed with three out of the five offensive linemen on the sideline. You know, like there's just no way for things to work effectively. And that's just a little example of how the entire team is trying to function right now. You're just missing at half your guys, like half the starters just upped and left the field. You know, it's just, it's, it's just not trying to operate and look cohesive and look solid in a situation like that. Like yesterday we had that question about Eric Armstead sucking and I'm like, well, he's the best player on that defensive line that is now missing, you know, that we traded away DeForest Buckner. We no longer have Nick Bosa. We no longer have D Ford. Of course, he's not going to, you know, he's, he's, he's the, the one player on that defensive line that the entire offense is probably focused on at this point. So it's just, it, there's just these huge domino effects that come with all of these injuries. It's, and it's never really black and white, no matter what you're talking about. It's just there's we could we could go on and on about it, but right. It's just a matter of you just try and embrace the minutia and the little details about what's happened to the 49ers. The injuries in a lot of ways aren't excuses. It's just a reality. Like everybody wants to say that. They'll like, you know, they'll get their Twitter fingers going and they'll be like, oh, next man up. You know, it doesn't matter, no excuses. And I'm like, well, that's doesn't really apply right. here. Like, it's, it's not an excuse. It's, it's just to this reality. Extent. Like, right. you can, like, last year. Last year, there were guys, like, throughout the year that got hurt. But a lot of it was, like, one guy at a time, maybe two, right? For the most part, the team was pretty intact um, on the offensive side of the ball and on the defense. Again, there might be, like, one guy out here and there. Um, but for the most part, like, I think even on the defensive side of the ball, you know, there would be D Ford out for a while. He was the main one. Um, Richard Sherman missed like one game. Um, you know, Quan Alexander, he missed some time, but they were able to fill in with Dre Greenlaw. Like that was kind of the extent of the the injuries that the 49ers went went through um last year. I, I can't think of any major injuries offensively. Can can you? No. Tevin no. Coleman had a high ankle sprain early in the season. Uh but yeah, well, and you I mean, know it was a different time too because when Dre or excuse me, when Quan Alexander was like making his possible comeback, it was like Jesus making his return. You know, like <laughs> right. everybody was just so excited to have him back because the 49ers weren't really missing anybody else and they were just that much much closer to their you know, their true form. And so everybody was excited about that whereas this season like for for that same level of, of impact or of like, you'd have to have like 10 guys come back. Because, <laughs> right. Like that's just, you know, think of that, that how excited everybody was that Quan Alexander was coming back last year. 
that same thing would have to happen with like 10 different dudes. That's how injured the 49ers are right now. Yeah. It's just, you know, you got you just got to realize that and kind of just put it out of your head. But in terms of storylines, you know, another storyline that I just tweeted about a little ago is uh, Jaquiski Tart, the 49ers starting strong safety for the past, what, five, six years, yeah. um, has his turf toe is apparently bad enough to – and I mean, does does turf toe basically mean you broke your toe? No, I I don't know. I, I don't know if it, I don't think it's you broke your toe. It's like there's just something with it. Like it's like some kind of like I don't even want to like guess what it is. I've never had turf toe, but I don't think it's broken, or I don't think it's a sprain, or but it might be closer to like a sprain, like where there's yeah, like it says, uh, the old Google some type of inflammation org. Foot, foothealthfacts.org says turf toe is a sprain of the big toe joint resulting from injury during sports activities. The injury usually results from excessive upward bending of the big toe joint. The condition can be caused from either jamming the toe or from repetitive injury when pushing off repeatedly when running or jumping. So it's basically like saying, like, you know, you're always kind of pushing forward on that big toe. Right. And it eventually is like, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and now you're out. So apparently that was bad enough to end uh, Jaquiski Tart's season. So, and one of the things I tweeted is given the amount of free agents that the 49ers have hitting the market after this season, I, I obviously there's no part of me that, that wants Jaquiski Tart's tenure with the 49ers to be over. But I feel like that was, that was, this was probably his last season with the team when you consider how many players they have leaving, you know, like maybe the injury yeah. is one of those things where it, it makes him more affordable and the 49ers might be comfortable bringing him back. But at the same time, I think Chris Biederman just tweeted recently that Tart has missed something like 40 something percent of his games since he joined the team. So it, it could also be a, a you know, an element where they're like, well, this is just another injury and we don't really feel like we should bring a guy back like that, you know? So it could go both ways. It could make him more affordable, but at the same time it could be seen as well. It's, you know, it's just another injury in a long list of injuries and, and, and we're just not really interested anymore, you know? So, but he, the, it was already an uphill battle for him. Uh, we've mentioned this many mm -hmm. times, but when you have, Trent Williams, Richard Sermon, Solomon Thomas, Jaquiski Tark, Kyle Yushek, Tevin Coleman, Kendrick Bourne, Kwan Williams, Ronald Blair, Ben Garland, Kerry Hyder, all of these guys, Jarek McKinnon, Jordan Reed, Jason Verrett, Akella Witherspoon, so many impact players headed for free agency. The odds were obviously against him to begin with. So it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that it would end like that. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that it will end, but uh, it, it just would seem that way. Would, would you say, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and again, I'm not like advocating for, there's a difference as, as someone who covers a team. There's a difference between saying the 49ers, might cut Jaquiski Tart or might let Jaquiski Tart hit free agency. There's a difference between saying that and saying the 49ers should cut Tart. Like that's obviously not what I'm saying. I'm just saying given the chain, given the amount of players headed for free agency, uh, it's just it, it's just the reality of where they're right. at. 
Right. You know? That's what I would, that's what I would guess. Right. Me too. And I think the Me 49ers too. have guys in the house that, you know, again, I think Harris gets a bad rap for certain things, but when you watch him, you know, I don't watch Okay, so when I'm watching film or when I watch football or whatever, it's not about one play. It's about 75 plays in a game. You know what I'm saying? So there are a lot of people that will notice the one bad play. Um, and that's who that guy is. To me, that's one rep. That's one rep. Like, so I look at it over 75 plays. How does Harris play? And if he's out of place in three plays, then he's out of place in three plays. You know what I'm saying? Um, but if he's good on, you know, and and I mean good, like in the right play, plays. Um, good uh, breaking on balls, uh, you know, even if they're not thrown his way. Uh, if he has good coverage, good lateral movement, coming down in the box, okay, might miss a tackle. Okay, like I'm counting all that. If there are a few bad plays, but, you know, out of 75 plays, 70 of them are really good, then that that's what I, I – that's how I watch it. Um, and I think most fans, when they look at Harris, they'll look at one play or two plays and think that's who he is. When in reality, now, like when you watch the film and you look at – every play that he's involved in or every play on defense and you watch him, you're like, damn, that's a good football player there. You know what I'm saying? So from that standpoint, when I watch Harris, yeah, he's had a play here and there that he probably, I'm sure he would like to have back, but dude makes a ton of plays on the ball, um, you know, forces turnovers. Uh, he's heavily involved in the run game. Like he's better in coverage than fans think, but if they just knew how to kind of watch film and not pick out one play to kind of, push a narrative, they would see like, oh, this dude can't really play. He can really play. But they just know there's one play and then it's like, oh, okay. That's like that's like saying Dante Pettis is a deep threat because he caught one post against the Seattle Seahawks two years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, nah, he's not a deep threat. Like, we've seen enough plays of him to know like, that's not who he is. And when it comes to Harris, that's kind of how I look at it where it's like, oh, he's a liability in coverage because he gave up this touchdown or he missed right here. And it's like, nah, like, well, what about all the other plays that he's involved in? Like, where is he? Look at this. Good coverage. There was a play I saw somebody was talking about uh, Tarverius Moore. Like, ooh, look how Tarverius Moore came down here and he got the third down stop and it was a good play. And it was a good play. And I looked at the other side and nobody pointed this out, but this is just how I look at the film and stuff, how I watch it. I see Tarver uh, I see uh, Harris. I see Marcel Harris jump a route. That was where the quarterback initially wanted to go and they ended up having to check it down. If you would have threw it where Marcel Harris was, it would have been picked off. Because he jumped the route, but nobody notices that. They just noticed the quarterback ended up checking it down and threw it, and Moore made the stop. They don't look at why did he check it down, and it's because Harris jumped the the route that he was about to throw, and that's kind of how I watched them. So, you know, if 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 they were to get rid of uh, Tart and they had to move with uh, forward with Harris or Moore, however they look, I, I'm fine. I'm fine either way. Way there, I, I think both of those guys will just continue to get better with reps. The more they see, the better they're going to be. And, and that was the case with Tart. Remember, Tart didn't start every game his rookie year. You know, he kind of got in here and there, had his little screw up, but the team was sorry, so nobody kind of really noticed. And then as the team got better, obviously the more reps he's getting, he he started to limit his um, any, any mistakes that he would make. And he just understood, I'm pretty sure, the game started slowing down for him. That's what happens. The more you play, the more the game slows down for you. And Tart turned into a player who was extremely reliable and didn't didn't give up big plays. Now he didn't he doesn't make a ton of plays. I don't want to say a ton, 
you would like to see him take the ball away more. But he's typically in the right spot. Now, whether he makes the play, there's been a couple times where guys made plays on him in the, in the um, passing game. But for the most part, he's where he needs to be. Even when I watch film, it's hard to pick out just like bad plays by Tart. He does a really good job of that. He's, he's pretty sound. So not bringing him back, you kind of lose that. But I'm really big on taking the ball away. And that's one thing that him and Ward haven't really done. Well, and the one thing I will say too is is that what you were saying right there kind of ties into the the frustration that sometimes 49ers have 49ers fans have with players that are out on the field when fans have that mentality of oh last game this player made that really bad play. You know, and what you what, a part of the reason you need to or one of the things you really need to understand is let's say that I am a wide receiver coach for the San Francisco 49ers. When I watch the film of a game that just happened, I don't care what the offensive line's doing. I don't care what the quarterback's doing. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I guess I care what the quarterback's doing a little bit, but I don't care what anybody else is doing. I'm just watching my players. I'm watching my wide receivers on every rep of every game, knowing what the play is, knowing what they're supposed to do, seeing what they did do, seeing what they did right, seeing what they did wrong. So. It, that is how film is broken down at the professional level. And so these guys, these coaches, they have a very intimate knowledge of what their players are doing on every single snap, whether the ball is coming to them or not. And that is how things come into play with what Crocker's just saying, because Marcel Harris's coach knows what he did on that play. So when, when somebody is, is focused on some other aspect of the play, the ball didn't go Marcel Harris' direction, he's still going to see what Marcel Harris did on that play and was like, damn, this is a great play. This is good. You're doing exactly what you should be doing. You've got your assignment locked down. You're where you should be. You know, and, and all of that goes into a coach's evaluation of a player. And so much of it, I would venture to say that 90% of it is stuff that fans don't even see. Don't even see, don't notice, don't take note of, and 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 that's okay. But just know that there's somebody within the organization whose job is it is to evaluate those players on every single snap to make sure they're doing the right thing. And if they're not, they know that they got to coach them up on that. And so that's why players are playing, despite the fact that they may have missed two or three plays that you have seared into your memory. Well, the coach watched every play, and he was like, "Damn, he got him on this one. Here's what you could have done. You, you did it. Th- you did it four plays ago. What happened on this one that made right. you do something different?" And right. they have a conversation about it, and then they and the coach. A lot of times, a lot of times, the coach will be like, "You know what? That makes sense. I understand that. I understand that. All right, just w- you know, what are we going to do different next time? Make sure on this you key this, and you know, we'll, we'll make sure we fix it. It's not like." Dude, you fucked up. You like I you you're 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 about to lose your job, bro. Like that's not these com- the conversations that they have. You know, I guess if there was two or three or four plays every single game where right. a guy was just, you know, getting Brian Allen to death, then, you know, that's when yeah. that happens, but every think, player uh, has teaching moments and right. You know. I I think even um I was listening to Dante Whitner and it's crazy because even before I heard Dante Winner, I was on Twitter. Somebody asked me about what happened with the Marcel Harris touchdown play. I said he was a 
a quarter safety. So he's kind of have like, you know, a quarter of the field kind of, uh, you know, not deep half, but kind of a quarter. He's a too high safety. And he was trying to disguise it because you have, you know, uh, goddamn Aaron Rodgers there. So he's trying to disguise it. He didn't get back quick enough. So, and this is what I said. This is what I said. I said, he didn't get back quick enough. So now by the time he's getting to a spot, the receiver is kind of up on him already. And at that point, you're in what I call no man's land. I have this tweet out there. He's in no man's land and he gets kind of caught in between. And once a receiver's on your toes like that, like you're cooked, like there's no, it's over. So somebody was like, well, what can he do differently? And I was like, well, he can do one or two things. He he can uh, start his bail sooner. And that kind of gives it away a little bit to Aaron Rodgers, what's going on, but starts Bill sooner. And no, I can't really mess around. I just have to get back. To me, that's an easy fix, right? That's not, an, that's not a, uh, an issue as far as ability. It's something that can't happen, but okay, how do we limit that from happening? Hey, this season, now for the rest of this year is to see, hey, can Marcel Harris be that guy? Can you not make that same mistake again, right? Can, can, so can you be the guy next year when we try to go for a Super Bowl run? Like, that's what we're going to be looking at for the rest of this year with Marcel Harris and Tarvish Moore, who's out there. Now, what Dante Winters said on KBR, and I was like, damn, that's what I said. He said, Harris got caught in no man's land. And I said, damn, that's the same thing I said. He wasn't overly worried about it. He actually said that not only was Harris at fault on that because he didn't get back quick enough, and he was saying it like, you got to get back. You have to get back to that spot. But um, he was saying that whoever was the – Whoever was there, and I want to say he was saying Mosley. I don't know if it was Mosley, but he was saying Mosley. He didn't reroute the receiver. So he's saying like, well, Harris is trying to get back and have time to get in his pedal and kind of, you know, play it honest. But because the receiver wasn't rerouted by whoever was supposed to reroute him, the receiver got on Harris's toes quicker than what should have happened. So that's something else that I'm pretty sure. I, I know I didn't point that out and nobody else did. But those are things that sometimes fans don't notice. They just notice, like, the result of the play and not exactly how it happened. Is it fixable? You know, or is it something that happens all the time? So that's just kind of – I know we're, we're kind of going on talking about this. It's a good conversation. But, um, yeah, those are just things that I think some people, they don't understand that part of the game. And and that's for anybody. Like, that's for anybody on, on in the secondary. That's for things that, you know, Javon Kinlaw is going through with – him experiencing something new, different, um, different uh, uh, things that he's seeing, you know, being thrown at him uh, by offenses and, you know, double teams and not being able to just bully people. Like a lot of this stuff, man, there, there is a transition period and you get better. The more you play, the more reps you get, the better you play. And we saw that last year with all the 49er players that started to come into their own and you saw the major payoff. Right now, they have some younger guys playing, and they just have to figure out how to work through that. Yep, it's good shit, man. I mean, I, I, to me, I don't. My outlook is, I don't really care if it's. I mean, we're talking Forty Nine ers football. If if that upsets someone, then I don't know what the hell you're here for, because uh, you know that's good talk, and especially knowing like that from the your insight, from a player's insight. And I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a particularly good coach, but you know, I haven't proven anything. But it's, you know, it's just it's different insights on what these players are doing. And I think I think a lot of fans would appreciate how, you know, your outlook from a specific play and, and what it means to screw up and what it means going forward from that point, because coaches don't care if you make a mistake. 
like it, it, repeated mistakes or what's uh, right. the same mistake or what's don't make the same trouble. mistake. That's what they always say. Make new mistakes. Right. You make new mistakes. I mean, you're learning from the other mistake you made, but there's always going to be a new mistake. And a lot of times there are things that people don't see. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, so say Tavares more, and I don't, I don't even want to insinuate that there are bad plays out there from him, but there might be things you might've noticed when Tavares more made, made some good plays. There might've been things away from the play that could have cost the 49ers the game. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hypothetically speaking, and nobody would ever notice that. You know what I'm saying? But coaches do. So for a lot of people that are like, where's where's Tavares Moore? Where's Tavares Moore? Where's he at? He should be on the field. Get Harris out. Get word out of there. Moore is better than him. Until you really dive into the film and kind of, and maybe some of you guys know what you guys are looking at. Some don't, whatever. But until you really look at it, it's kind of really hard to know exactly how good somebody's playing. I know you guys notice the splash plays or even plays that just kind of jump out to you, but there's a lot that goes on that people don't see I try to bring that to my, you know, to Twitter, to my followers, but those things happen, man. And a lot of people, they just, they don't understand that part of it. And uh, so, yeah, when you see Ward out there over more and everybody's saying, get more in there for Ward, like there's a reason why Ward is out there. There's a reason why. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's no one that knows that more intimately than the players and the coaches, because that's their job is to look at, their own performance and the performance of their players every single week, week after week, in multiple meetings, uh, in, in in the meeting rooms as a team, in the meeting rooms as a position group, on on the practice. They, they even look at their practice field reps. They don't just look at the game reps. They look at their own practice field reps too, to make sure they're doing the right thing. So it's, I mean, it's it really is broken down to the most minuscule level. That's why they get paid so much. So it's, you know, it's sometimes it's just funny because you see someone tweet stuff out and it's just like, you just, I just look at it and I'm like, are you sure this, this is where you want to go with this? You know, like everybody just seems like they've got some sort of like, you know, just passionate opinion. Like this is where they're planting their flag. I don't know. It gets weird. Well, anyways, let's, let's get some word. Let's get some words in from our sponsors. We'll do that. We'll come back. We'll talk 49ers Saints in what is sure to be one of the most competitive games of the season. First, we've got Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gives you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools that make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates are going to see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offers valid through December 31st. 
and bringing it up as always is Bet Online. Football's back. It's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, a little bit of a little bit of housekeeping for y'all before we get to talking about the Saints. Okay, the 49ers practice report is as follows. Tevin, running back Tevin Coleman, wide receiver River Craycraft. That's like a tongue twister right there. Wide receiver River Craycraft. Wide, wide receiver, receiver River, River Craycraft. Wide receiver River Craycraft. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> you have to say like say it five times and yeah, it's different. I know. I know. That's brutal. That's brutal. Wide receiver, River Craycraft, quadricept. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, linebacker, Demetrius, Flanagan, Foles. Man, that's another one. Debo Samuel and Kwan Williams. They're all out. They were all out today. Uh, Trent Taylor, who was on the practice report yesterday for back issues, is back in. Uh, he's fully practicing. Uh, huge get for the 49ers offense. Impact player. Sure to have a huge game. Um I'm not sure. Does, does sarcasm translate over the mic? I'm not sure. Hopefully it is. Sometimes. Hopefully, hopefully it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, still pretty banged up. And that, those just include – that's just the players that are on the active roster that aren't participating in practice. It doesn't include players that are on injured reserve. You got guys like Debo Samuel and Kwan Williams – uh, they cannot go on injured reserve again because I believe that would mean the end of their season. Um, Kyle Shanahan did say that Debo Samuel was considered a long shot to play against the Saints. Sounds like he's kind of more of a for sure thing uh, after the bye week against the Rams. Uh, same for Kwan Williams, but Kwan Williams is more of a long haul because he is recovering from a high ankle sprain. And unlike Jimmy Garoppolo, who still wasn't able to fully recover from his, a corner, a, a high ankle sprain for a cornerback is is very significant because of how much cutting and, and uh, like constant running, cutting movement you do on that ankle. It has to be a hundred percent, otherwise you're just going to re-injure it. So it may be a while for Kwan Williams. There's even a chance that he doesn't play again this season um, because if if he ends up on the longer recovery time frame, it would be right at the last couple weeks of the season, anyways. And unless the 49ers desperately need their nickel corner for like a playoff push. I, I don't see them, you know, really just feeling the need to bring him back. So it's, it, you know, it, it could be close. It could be close. Uh, he could recover faster. Um, in addition to those players, we also have Kendrick Bourne, who is currently on the COVID list after going positive, negative, negative, positive, negative, negative, I believe. I believe, and I think he needs one more negative test to be able to travel with the team tomorrow. And if he gets that, I believe he's going to play. 
Um, they did say that he was asymptomatic. So hopefully he isn't suffering any of the the symptoms that would make it difficult for him to compete. You know, a lot of the times the COVID stuff has to, uh, it can impact you, you know, your lungs and you could have shortness of breath and stuff like that, which would obviously be a serious detriment to a player trying to compete in a football game. So, uh, but uh, again, it, it said he was asymptomatic. So hopefully he's not experiencing any of those. Um, and if he does have that negative test, he will be able to just step in and play as he, as he usually would. So that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at as far as the housekeeping stuff. Uh, I mean, how do we, how do we start talking about this Crocker? What, what, what are your thoughts about the saints, bro? Uh, you know, they, they've kind of been up and down. Um, they've, Obviously, their you know the record is, is solid, and I think getting back Michael Thomas definitely has been a you know a big confidence boost. You know, really to the quarterback, probably more than anything, looks a lot more confident, especially watching that last uh, game against Tampa Bay. Him throwing the ball, that's a safety blanket. It's weird because they don't want to get the ball out. I mean, they don't want to throw the ball downfield. You know, they 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 try to get get the ball out as quick as possible. So we saw this last year, like a pass rush against the Saints. I don't even know if it does anything. So this game is really going to be more so about how well can you execute in coverage and how sticky can you be? How much can you challenge guys like uh, uh, Mike Thomas? I think I, early in the season, not really last game, but early in the season I saw, you know, uh, young the young corner from, from Tampa Bay, number 24. He, he did, did an excellent job. On Michael Thomas, I think holding him to like one catcher, two catcher, maybe even zero catcher. It was something crazy. Um, you have to challenge these guys. And if you can do that, you kind of give yourself a, a a chance because defensively, they they like to be a little bit more aggressive. I think Kyle Shanahan, I, I don't worry too much with the offense until they start like turning the ball over. Then it's over. But you don't worry always, too much about the offense until they step on the field. Yeah, then, well, then you got to worry I, about it. I'm always confident that Kyle Shanahan is going to do well. Now, whether the players, you know, execute, execute. and again, yep. the yep. down short-handed again might be be without Kendrick Bourne, might be without Debo Samuel. That's what it sounds like. Um, that's not ideal. It is a very tough matchup. I'm kind of really trying to find any reason to be optimistic. You know, if anything, it's just I, I, I really like 49ers coaches, and I think at the end of the day, they'll have them ready to play. We'll just see if it – you know, works out. Yeah. And, and to me right now, I mean, Michael Thomas is huge, but to me, the Saints offense is all about Alvin Kamara. It's all about Alvin Kamara. My fantasy team will tell you it's all about Alvin Kamara. Like he's, whether he's running the ball or he's catching those continuous six yard passes out of the backfield over and over and I mean, it's just you watch the games and you're just constantly sitting there going like, why are why are they letting them have these over and over? And it's just to me, it's especially with Drew Brees in his current state where throwing the ball down the field accurately is probably not his strongest suit at this point in his career. I'm not saying he still can't, you know, dunk on any team, but that's probably not the part of his game that he's the most comfortable with at this point. So. You're going to have a lot of shorter passes. 
You're, and, and it really plays into what Crocker's just saying. Your coverage is going to have to be sticky. And do whatever you got to do to limit whatever they're going to do with Alvin Kamara. Force, you know, you, it's weird saying this about a quarterback as good as Drew Brees, a first ballot Hall of Famer with no problem. You got to make him do the playing. Don't let them just Alvin Kamara your defense to death, which I have confidence in with a guy like Fred Warner back there, uh, you know, and, and Dre Greenlaw. But it, it's just force try to take that away. And I'm saying this in direct contradiction to the success of my fantasy football team, by the way. But take him away. Make Drew Brees go to his other options. And it's not like Jared Cook, tight end, Michael Thomas. That's not like they're bad options. I'm just saying at this point, I feel like the offense would – you'd have a better chance at defending them if you're not giving them the Alvin Kamara over and over and over and over and over. Right. You know, I feel like the chances are better. And, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work out because you got Drew Brees and you got a pretty good stable of pass catchers. That includes Alvin Kamara. But it, I feel like that's just got to be where you start. Let's start our game plan with stopping Alvin Kamara and taking away those easy first downs over and over. And then let's focus on removing him and then limiting the big plays. And maybe we'll be able to make some magic happen everywhere in between. Of course, easier said than done. But I just feel like the entire Saints offense runs through Alvin Kamara. And, you know, it's not, and it's obviously not just your typical run game, too. Um, and then just for the pure sake of my own enjoyment, don't let Taysen Hill do anything cool. That's going <laughs> to be the most yeah. annoying player in all of football. And it has nothing to do with fantasy. It's just like he just is this weird dude that comes in every five plays and does something weird. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And then we also have to listen to these weirdos say that he's going to be Drew Brees' repla- replacement. And it's clearly not going to be like, I'm just am really annoyed by the whole Taysom Hill thing. Yeah. I, I don't even know why I don't have a, I don't know. I, I, I get don't annoyed watch the by too. I, I get annoyed by him having the one glove on. I kind of sound like a hater. <laughs> Dude, is it a, does he have a, is his drip all messed up? Uh, It's not terrible, but the one glove is just like, it kind of bothers me because I do like you. I don't know. It's just weird. It's weird. I get it. Didn't Michael he, Jackson wear one glove? Right. Michael Jackson wore one glove. In theory, he's a quarterback, but he's not. Like, he's really more of a slash. Like, you know, if you guys, I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners remember Cordell Stewart. He's Early a poser. Hmm? He's a poser. Cordell Stewart's a poser? No. Taysom Hill is a poser. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he. I don't know. It's, it's weird, but yeah. Taysom Hill, you can't let him get off. And he does. He does make plays. He does he make does. plays. He does. Uh, but he also gives you some. I mean, I've seen him turn the ball over in key situations. I thought the 49ers did a terrific job against him last year outside of like maybe one play on like the goal line or no, no, they stuffed him on the goal line when they tried to go for two point conversion. But there was like a run he had that was like nice or whatever, but he didn't like, he wasn't any type of difference uh, in the 49ers game. Yeah, I think just. Limit the big plays with him. Limit the big, big plays with him. I think last game I watched, he like threw a ball downfield, and then obviously you see him running and running for Tessa. Like you can't let you can't let Tessa Mill have his way. That's an issue. It is, man, and it's just an annoying ass issue. Like it's just like 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that, you know, like everybody knew that that kid in school that thought he was way cooler than he actually was. (laughs) And everybody kind of looked at him like, dude, stop. Like, but no one would ever like just tell him. I feel like that's Taysom Hill. Like, he's just like, like, dude, no one wants you here, but you're here anyways. And (laughs) he's like golf. Like you could do nothing the whole game and make one great play. And it's like, oh, man, can't wait to see Taysom Hill next week. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know why it bugs me so much. But it's like, I think it boils down to the fact that, like, a lot of the times he does make plays. But a lot of times it's like, okay, I would have rather I would have rather done that same thing. But with either Drew Brees or Alvin Kamara. Like, why with him? Like, I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. So, you know. Focus on Alvin Kamara. Then next in the priority is is don't give up big plays. Don't do any of that busted coverage stuff. And then third on the priority is don't let Taysom Hill do cool shit because he's not a player that should be doing cool shit. He doesn't deserve it. I'm sounding like a real hater right now, but I don't know why. It's okay. It's, just, it's weird. It's, it's weird to me. His, his thing's weird. So moving kind of transitioning over to the 49ers offense, you know – I, I mean, I shudder a little bit because of how bad the 49ers offense was last week uh, against the Packers, who have a whatever defense. And they just got after the 49ers. And then I look at what the Saints did to the Buccaneers. I mean, you look at this defensive stat sheet. You have three sacks. Hold on. Nine quarterback hits. Three tackles for loss. Three interceptions. 13 and a half pass breakups. It's not that high, but it just looks like it with all the numbers spread out everywhere. I mean, they just, that defense just got after the Bucs in every way, shape, or form who have drastically more talent than the 49ers. Yes. On as far as players are concerned. Now, what the Bucs don't have is a Kyle Shanahan. You know, they got Bruce Arians, though. I mean, you know, he's really good. He ain't no Kyle Shanahan. Right. You know, I I have, and I'm not, that's, that's not a slight on Bruce Arians as much as it is me holding Kyle Shanahan up. Like, you know, I I feel like he's the best, you know, it's you know, he's the best. And despite what shape his team is in right now, I feel like every week he comes prepared. He knows what he's doing. It's just a matter, like you said earlier, of execution. Are the players going to be capable of executing Kyle Shanahan's vision Right now, no, probably not. Probably not. Right. But at least you know you've got a good pilot. You know, So is the offense going to be ex- executed? I don't know. At least they're going to have Trent Williams back out there, which is a huge, a huge bonus considering how poorly Justin School played in replace of him against the Packers. Okay, so that's a big deal. Brandon Ayuk's going to be out there. Uh, who wasn't able to play because of the the COVID rules last week against the Packers? Thanks, Kendrick Bourne. And then, <laughs> and then, but and then, there's a decent chance it seems that Kendrick Bourne will also be out there. Can, no George Kittle, but Jordan Reed will be out there, and he'll play more snaps this week because last week against the Packers, he kind of kind of just been activated off injured reserve, so you know they're kind of just easing him back. So I'm assuming he plays a little bit more snaps. So I feel like the offense will be a little bit more potent, you, you know, but it, again, it's against the defense that 
it's not, okay. So go through this, go through the Saints schedule here. Oh, did I click out of it? I had the Saints schedule up here. The Saints defense has not been anything to write home about throughout the season. Their their game against the Buccaneers holding them to three points was an irregular it was an irregularity. Okay, it's that's not how they've been playing all season. But it was such a dominant performance that you, it makes you wonder, like, did they did something click from a schematic standpoint? Did they change things up and it's working out really well? Or was it just that just, you know, they just had Tampa Bay's number and that was it, it which is really what it looked like. It was almost like a weird sequence of events, though. Wouldn't you agree? How yeah. that like that that first quarter played out? It was almost like the game was over by the end of the first quarter, right? Just just by the way everything played out. So it, it's it not that the forty nine whatever game plan, whatever game plan they went into the game like with. And I'm talking about Tampa Bay. It just did not work on either side of the ball, and they just didn't have any counter punch. Right, right, and so it was. It felt like it was over by the first quarter. So it's not that the Saints have just this unstoppable defense that the 49ers would be lucky to score three points on. Uh, it, it's I think the 49ers are going to have their opportunities. It's just a matter of, you know, can they consistently maintain, a, you know, a scoring offense that's going to be able to keep pace with the Saints? You know, my, my immediate reaction says, no, of course not. That's not how the NFL works. The Saints have... Starting players, the 49ers don't in a lot of cases. But, I mean, there's there's always the chance. Nobody, everybody picked the Bucks to straight up win that game against the Saints. And then the Saints came out and just l- l- laid them out. Yeah. That just goes to show you the unpredictability of the NFL. Kyle Shanahan was able to put up hella points on the Saints last year with some great performances by, you know, George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, Raheem Mostert, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, are any of those guys playing? Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, George Kittle. No, no, none of those guys that I just named are playing. So, uh, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders might be, but he's on the other team now. So that's just what I'm saying is that the, the huge players that made that game happen last year aren't even on the field. So can they make it happen again? Sure, there's a chance. My common sense says no, but I would I would love to see the 49ers make it a game. Yeah, I, I don't, is, that, is that too much to ask? Uh, nah, I mean, it's not because if our coaches are who they, who we think they are, you, you would think that, I mean, you go into every game thinking that it, it can be competitive. Right. And you have to, you can't just go into a game, especially at the NFL level level thinking you're just get going to get the shit kicked out of you because then you will 10 times out of 10 every time. So, you know, they they they're at least got to go in there thinking they can do the damn thing and and maybe we can cuz I mean there's something to be said about a about an uh, you know, a team where they're going into every game knowing that everybody around them including the other team thinks that they're about to get their ass kicked. You know, and and that can develop a pretty it's it's an it's something you can't see or feel, you know, it's it's just like a uh, an attitude, a chippiness about a team, you know, that's teams like that will, will, will pull stuff off from time to time just based on the sheer fact that they want to spite everybody else. So, you know, it, it, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to be positive here. Right. I'm just trying to, trying to point us in the direction to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to turn myself into the, you know, so you're saying there's a chance little, little gif on Twitter. I mean, so. You know, you know, the, the saying there's any given Sunday, uh, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing for the 49ers is don't don't turn the ball over. 
If the 49ers can just do that, like just something as simple as that, it helps both sides of the ball. Obviously, it helps your offense, but it helps your defense as well because they're not continuously being on the field with short field positions and um, giving the Saints, uh, you know, uh, short fields that, you know, be able to score and things like that. So that that's the one thing. We, we've seen it um, in the last couple couple weeks against both uh, the Packers and the Seahawks. That was the biggest issue, turning the ball over. First, uh, was it first or second? First drive of the game, Jimmy Garoppolo throw that interception. Um, really, 49ers tried to fumble it away, and, and they overturned that. And then the next play, Garoppolo threw the interception. That's not ideal. Um can't turn the ball over like that. And then in the, the Packers game, uh, it was almost like Mullins was continuously trying to give the ball to the Packers. I mean, he he threw the ball to them several times. There was a time he got hit, ball fluttered in the air. Um, there was a time uh, the safety savage jumped the route and it just hit him in the chest. He just dropped it. Uh, I mean, fumbling, like it's just, you know, uh, the, the, the Eagles game, like, you know, Mullins turned the ball over three times, including the fumble, a pick six. Like, you can't have that happen. If, if you can limit that, which, again, I said on the last podcast, Nick Mullins has been a turnover machine. He turns the ball over at a high rate. If he can kind of get that in check a little bit, you, you, that's how you give yourself a chance because you help both sides of the ball there. Right, yeah, and it goes back to, and that kind of blends into time of possession. Like when they played the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers had the ball for almost 40 minutes, 36 and a half minutes, whereas, you know, just by, you know, that means that the 49ers didn't have the ball very much. You know, they only had the ball 23 minutes. And then you go over to the New Orleans-Tampa Bay game, and the, the New Orleans had the ball for 40 minutes, over 40 minutes which is two-thirds of the football game. That is an incredible stat. And that's just, how you know, that is the ultimate of what Crocker is trying to say. Not only is your offense not on the field producing anything in the way of points, but your defense is constantly out there getting their ass ran over. And, you know, they're puffing and puffing for wind the, throughout the whole game. They And it, it's just there's nothing they can do because they don't ever get a break. The, just think of it, when it says time of possession, 40 minutes, that means the defense is on the field for 40 minutes during that game trying to defend everything the Saints were throwing at them. And that's essentially what happened to the 49ers too. The 49ers defense, despite its own injuries, is playing at a pretty decent level. They're still a good defense. They're still a solid NFL defense. And with the amount of injuries they have, they should be the worst defense. But they're not. They're a pretty good defense. They're a top half of the league defense. But if your offense is never out on the field or they're not out on the field long enough, you know, even if they get your offense converts one first down and then goes three and out, like it's just not enough time. The defense knows they've got to come right back out and succeed again, knowing that the offense is just going to come right back out and screw up. again. You know, it's like it's just a snowball effect. And once that starts, it's hard to recover from. So. If Kyle Shanahan and Nick Mullins and 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 the boys can draw up something that limits the possibility for turnovers, which is way easier said than done, then you know at least you're doing your defense in a favor, and they can get the stops they need, and and to at the very least take the responsibility and say offense, go do something, because we're giving you the chances that you need to succeed. But if if you can't stay on the field, then the defense can never be. You know, you're just not putting them in a position to succeed. 
Right. And, and that's just, that's just how it works. But so we'll see. I mean, there's always a way. There's always a way yeah. folks. There's always a way. It may not be, there may not be a good chance of it, but there's always a way. And it, and it still, they have enough talent on the offense to still scare somebody. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to execute. So, I mean, that's it, man. That's it. You got any, you got any closing thoughts there, Croc? No, I think, I think we've touched on everything. I, I think, you know, a key point, like you said, can't let Kamara have his way. And like I said, on the, on the 49ers offensively, uh, don't turn the ball over. 49ers can yeah. do that. Like, you know, it, it becomes a competitive game. Now, again, I wouldn't put money on it. I don't expect 49ers to win. I don't even – I look at the point spread. Last time I checked, it was nine. I wouldn't even touch that, you know, but it's just – that you know, it, it, it can be a game. And, you know, hell – I mean, I, it's hard to say, oh, 49ers can win when they're just missing so many guys and it seems like the Saints are in a much better uh, position health-wise. So I, I'm, I'm still excited to watch the game. Every time 49ers play, I'm tuned in, I'm ready. I, I can't eat, like, my my nerves. I'm so, like, anxious watching the 49ers. I'll still have that same feeling. Yep. Yeah, of course, man. It's, it's 49er football. It's It's always great until it isn't. You know, that's, that's just the way it is. But, hey, what is great is you guys constantly being in here, listening to the pod, supporting us. I'm having a blast. I love it. It's been cool to just hop on here, almost on the daily with Crocker. Uh, it's yeah. just a lot of fun. I appreciate all you guys, uh, you know, just supporting the pod. Don't forget, if it's your thing, do jump on whatever you listen to our podcast on, iTunes, whatever. Leave us a leave us a review. I'm not even saying leave us a positive review. I mean, I would appreciate it, but if that's not how you feel, then that's not how you feel. And hopefully, <laughs> we change your mind. Um, but thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the pod. Uh, you will hear from us again uh, Monday morning. We'll jump on here on Sunday after the Saints game to record our our rapid reaction, and that usually gets gets out early Monday morning. So uh, again, we appreciate you guys for another day. This is striking gold. Signing out. Peace.